Hey, this is Marie from Brad Ohio. I run to our community in New York City of Naysayers, where we're going to be discussing about entrepreneurship, equestrian sports, as well as everything related to the company and how we aim to improve the market in the future. If you want to find out more, feel free to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, and of course, check out our nice catalog of horses. Take care of yourself. See you soon. Ciao, ciao. Hello. Hello, how are you? Doing good yourself. How's everything in Wellington? Oh, it's great. It's a little bit hot today. <laughs> <laughs> Living in Florida. That's what you got. Exactly. So, I mean, you must be excited. <laughs> yes, very excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. This is so cool. <laughs> it's kind of yes. weird. It's, weird. it's awesome. <laughs> such a small world <laughs> yeah but it's weird it's like normally I talk to you about all sorts of random stuff so it's like I don't you know, not listen to and <laughs> exactly it exactly it's fine I love it no that's cool well thanks a lot for taking the time um obviously super happy to have you here knowing that we've done some business together recently that you've had the ability to kind of experience you know what we're trying to do at least with sport and uh, it's, I, you know, I didn't think of anyone better knowing your experience, everything we spoke about, to chat about the ups and downs in the sport, to talk about, you know, our love of horses, the, right. the potential fuck-ups and all that. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, perhaps we could start with, like, for people that don't know you, like, yep. give us a bit of an overview kind of who you are, who's Riley Tibble. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I moved to Wellington seven years ago. I was supposed to be here for a month and I never left. <laughs> Typical horse person. Um, but I grew up actually with no financial support with the horses. My parents were kind of like, go, oh, if you want to ride, you figure it out. Um, which I'm super grateful for because it taught me um, basically how to work for myself and ride and kind of figure my own way out. Um, so I used to break racehorses as two-year-olds in exchange for $500 for board, um, on a horse that I bought for $500. Um, so that was kind of cool learning, you know, how to do that. And, and then once we came to Wellington and we started importing horses and, and getting some nicer horses, I decided that this is what I wanted to do with my life and make it a career. Um, so I've been here seven years now and I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> That's cool. You know, there's something funny that you just said that I had absolutely no idea about. about yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's so funny. It's weird. It's small world, Riley. We've got way too much in common. I was <laughs> born, I was born in Newmarket, uh, race okay. capital. And my dad is a race trainer. And oh, wow. be, like, I couldn't afford to like, I've never been able to afford the full like, hey, let's, let's spend a thousand dollars to go to a show. Or let's do right. this, like, you know, like like I was yeah. riding kind of the, the, you know, the one that would buck off the kid and the Yeah, oh, me too. <laughs> and me too. I learned how to get balance and how to, like, I mean, obviously, I was not the most academic kind of rider. I would ride pretty well, but I taught myself how to ride really well by riding yep. races. Yep. So it's really cool that you said it's cool stuff. Yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. And, the thing. <laughs> and in terms of, like, you today, like, obviously, right this i'm sure a lot going on so you run your own business uh can we can we chat about how it is to run a business in wellington the capital of show jumping when i do yeah you're a young person i mean yep young adult like what what what's going on in this 
Yeah. So, um, I originally started out, I had one good Grand Prix horse down here, um, that we had imported. It was my first horse I had imported from Europe, um, from Eschweiler in Germany. Um, and I was doing the U25s and in college online at the time. Um, and I remember, I'll never forget it. I had this idea to go professional and kind of do sail horses and I was catch riding for a lot of trainers. Um, so I, you know, I thought, why can't I do this for my living? Um, and so it was kind of this big idea that, that I came up with really overnight that I, I made that change and I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I'll never forget. I had this trainer, a pretty well-known trainer in Wellington, um, come up to me the first week I went professional and he kind of looked at me and said, good luck. You're going to need it. And I was super, super offended at the time. Um, and he, you know, basically just said there are a lot of bad people out there and good people and you have to weed through it. And his words kind of, they really did offend me. Um, and after doing it the last, you know, six and a half years, it's, it's really something that's true. Um, and I did, I did need that good luck <laughs> because not only being young, but also being a female in a sport that's mostly dominated by men, um, and just kind of having to stand your ground as far as you do a sale horse and the negotiating happens and these big trainers that are, you know, have way more experience than you, um, they try to make you feel a little bit stupid, <laughs> which is, which is not ideal. And everyone, you know, is out for the same goal, um, to buy and sell horses. So it has been a challenge. Um, but I am the type of person that I love that challenge. Um, and it's, it's taught me so much, not only about horses and business, but, but life in general. Um, so it's, it's not an easy thing, but it's something that I wouldn't trade for the world. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, couldn't agree more. Think about it. Like, how much how much challenges we're facing as as young female young female entrepreneur in all sorts of industries but specifically in the horse world it's pretty unbelievable and and there's right. so much stuff that comes across as taboo and I'm, I'm probably gonna make so many people mad but but it's like <laughs> I, I i couldn't get at this stage um but it's like it's like think about me going out there being like hey let's uh let's be transparent and let's yep. uh, sign contracts and let's yep. uh not lie to your clients anymore and they're like right. shut up <laughs> yeah no it's and true I, and at the beginning like i remember when i started the first year um, i'm gonna try to explain this in the in the least horrible way i can and in uh -huh. the most politically correct way i can <laughs> it's like I would go without giving any names because they'll recognize themselves listening to it. That's my pride. Right. But it's like <laughs> in my first year, I, I managed to. So I, I first off, as I said, don't come back. Don't come from a show jumping background originally. So I kind of had to be sassy and had to be a go getter to go get those contacts. But all the big riders that were my favorite top riders that I watched as a kid in my first year of business, um, some of them, uh, when I would try to, you know get coffee with them or or talk about business or some of them I had dinner with like different people that I would absolutely admire mm -hmm. there would be this sense of like in a way there would be this sense of like hey we don't take you seriously because right. you're a young girl in the sport as you said good luck to there of is course. this aspect of like obviously bringing a new concept having a different vision than what's traditionally done that's something that everybody faced no matter what gender they are no matter where they come from whatever but right. there is also this this thing, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I felt 
sometimes like I was a piece of cake and I was surrounded by, I wouldn't say predators because that sounds really bad, but I was feeling really overwhelmed by a certain negative energy and sometimes people wanting to make the most out of you, but in a very, very bad way, not necessarily just in a context of, hey, let's be professional. They right. were forgetting that I was there to do business and stuff would get very personal and extremely uncomfortable very fast. Right. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, as far as the business sense goes, and I've told people this um, who aren't in the horse world, I can't tell you another industry where there are people that are making, you know, $100,000 transactions or $500,000 transactions where they might be good riders. They might be amazing riders, but are they good business people? And it's very rare that there's anything else in the world that consists of that. Because not only do you have to watch your back in, in the riding aspect and the competing aspect, but when it comes down to business and buying and selling horses, they don't know how to read a contract or write a contract or do anything like that. So balancing the level of riding to be competitive and up there and have nice sale horses, as well as having the business mindset um, is something that's very foreign to a lot of people um, because you're dealing with so much money. Absolutely. Surrounded with, um, especially in Wellington, um, you know, it's like horse Disneyland. <laughs> they, they could be great riders, but that doesn't mean that they're trustworthy people when it comes to business. And um, that's something that I think I found is the most challenging part of, of having a business here and, and the horse world in general. It's totally, totally. And it's, it's funny that we speak about contract because like, for example, in the given, in the given cell that we just closed with you, it's very easy. I just gave you a call. I said, right. Right, here's the contract. Here's how it works. We invoice X amount to the buyers and sellers prior to closing of the deal to make deals happen. It's done by Morgan Sports Law, X, Y, Z. Very simple. Most right. people that are the clients of bridal is often very easy because I just tell them up front, hey, it's like, you're going to buy a car, you're going to buy a house. There is a certain fee that comes into it and it's to protect you guys. Yeah. But some of them are just like, yeah, but why would I drop more money? It's like, hang on a minute. You're about to spend 100K on a living animal. Right. And you refuse to put, I don't know, 2,000, 3,000 on the contract that's protecting you in case there's a mess up. And right. this, is where, this is where the full business conversation that you just brought up comes in it's like there is so much to be done and to be taught in the sport and it's like I feel like you as as an entrepreneur me um the people that are trying to for example change the sport through preview what preview is doing or what we're seeing with um clip my horse or what we're seeing we're providing a structure to the sport and a certain etiquette of business and that's it's going to take obviously a lot of time to get there. But by the time it's going to get there, I really feel like equine trade, um, management of shows, and even boarding and all that, like that's going to really, really level up. And I'm so excited to to see that. What would you say? I mean, I completely drifted from the script, got down to 10 minutes <laughs> in, and we're already talking about toxicity, but. I wouldn't was- expect anything less from us. <laughs> Oh, like, we really, we really need to get that bottle of wine once again. I know, I know. <laughs> in in seven one. months, I'll be there. <laughs> sounds good, sounds good. But um, but what would you say? Where do you think the sport is going in terms of generally 
people like us that have this mindset of hey shit needs to be done correctly and in a transparent structured way right. across all aspects of the sport what's your vision of of show jumping for the next few years um personally i think it's it's a bit of a challenge. Um, I think the people, the young generation of professionals like myself, we want to see the sport change. Um, it has gone from this, you know, amazing, amazing world where everyone has the ability to do it. And you could maybe not have all the money in the world, but you could be a good rider and you could be competitive and successful, even if you don't have a million dollar horse or $2 million to spend a season. Um, so I think, Having that, having said that, um, to go back to that kind of ability for everyone um, would be the number one goal that everyone should have. And it isn't a an elite sport of just the richest of the rich. Um, the people who want to see change are the people who have seen the other side of it. And then, the you know, the old school people that like the way it is and they've learned the trick of the trade and have all the clients and they, you know, they get by screwing people over. Yeah. <laughs> those, are the, those are the people that don't want to see change. So I do think um, in a positive way, uh, it is changing. However, the shows need to make a change as well. Um, you know, for example, last week I had a junior amateur girl who we give the opportunity to show. Um, she did two classes at WEF and it was $1,500. Oh. So if you have, you know, that, and that's just for one sale horse. So I think the show really has to um, has to figure out a better way um, as far as that goes, because it, with just entry fees alone, you're looking at thirty to thirty five thousand dollars a season, which it's, is it's, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and when you look at it from a, I'm going to bring this up because we started speaking about sales and obviously this podcast is very much about sales. Right. Yeah. But uh, being a sales operation. But um <laughs> <laughs> But like, you know, doing this as a business, you do this all day long. I do this all day long. I'm here talking with clients all over the world, especially American clients. Right. And when we talk about investment, like in the case in which you invest in a horse, prices have gone up like crazy in Europe in terms of right. buying a good horse and in terms of importing it and stuff like this. Right. And how, how difficult is the market becoming in the moment of making a return on your investment in the US is unbelievable. It's like in Europe, for example, to give you a little bit of perspective, um, I'm currently in Barcelona, so I'll give you the case of Barcelona. Right. If I wanted to be uh, a member of the Polo Club, which is where they do the, um, the final of the, Glo- of the Nations Cup here, the, the CEO of Barcelona, like a five-star, right. beautiful grounds. If I want to be a member of that club, it's five kilometers away from my house. So it's mm-hmm. 40 minutes uh, metro drive or 30 minute metro drive. I would have to pay 25,000 euro for a lifetime membership. If it's not a lifetime membership and it's like an annual one, I can pay like, I think something like a few hundreds, uh, like 200 a month, something like this to give oh me God. entry rights to that. Like just to go there kind of thing, which is what right. you pay for a good gym. And right. then the board for your horse, the board for your horse on a monthly basis, I wouldn't give exact figures, but I think, I think, might be wrong, might have changed. For an empty stall, it's something like $400. And then you can have the groom on top of this, you can have, and it's really, really cheap. Like we're in one of the biggest cattle of Europe. It's like, when I hear that Wellington is like five grand, like for an empty stall during season, it's like, 
duh, like how how do people afford this that are right. not like you know I don't get it <laughs> no 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 I I couldn't agree more um it is just it's absurd and like you were talking about your return on investment as far as buying and selling in America um you know it's just it's outrageous and I've seen the other, I've seen both sides of it. I have been the amateur buying horses to kind of make my name and make my career. And then I've also now been the professional buying and selling horses, you know, to make a living. And, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly sad. And I refuse to work with these trainers that say, Hey, the owners want a hundred. I think the horse is worth more tack on whatever you want. Well, I don't believe in that because if I sell my client a horse that, you know, is probably worth a hundred and I make a quick, you know, 30,000 and I say, Oh, well the horse is priced at 30,000, 130. Well then when I have to go sell it to someone else, the horse wasn't worth 130 in the beginning. It was worth a hundred. So that is just kind of been a common theme that's, that's been going on here. You know, not the standard, here's a 10% commission. It's written like this. Um, You know, they'll two bill of sales and say, here, this one's for my clients. It's $40,000 less. Will you sign this one? Um, And it just, it's sickening because then on the amateur and the client side or the, the poor people that are buying the horse, their horse that they've invested, you know, 10, three, more than 10%, far more than 10% commission, um, they're going to lose on. And it's, it's sad. And it's a a going trend that has to change because it's not fair for it. To make people even more mad, should I just open yeah. an office in Wellington and be all about yeah. like, you know what I should do? I should invest 100K in advertising at Wellington. Yep. Yep. And like have the word transparency on the fences, like scream oh. like, don't trust your trainers. Like, okay, I'm not right, No, people, people would have to pull out a dictionary to see what transparency even means. <laughs> I had I had um I had a business dinner recently this year. I'm not gonna go into too much detail because I'm gonna get sued of us. But I had, <laughs> I had no 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 no. But wait wait wait. I had a business dinner this year and I was so confident going in and whatever. And I ended up having dinner with well some fairly big American trainers and um and uh, they I don't know why like the three four of them kind of ganged up against me when I was just like, hey, let's just do things well, whatever. I got ganged up against, but completely. Oh. And it was like trying to prove the point that th- what we're trying to build, or at least not even the current version of it, but the future vision that we have to make everything really good is right. like not needed in the industry because it's always been like this and it's never going to change. And I'm like, like, come on. Like, the only reason why you don't want it to work is because you won't be able to make to build cells you won't be able to bullshit people and it's like i don't know but i mean look we're talking about toxicity and negativity but there's lots of good trainers too so for anyone listening please (laughs) i am not your enemy (laughs) no exactly there are good people left i swear (laughs) no there's really good really good stuff going on in the sport but i think that there's definitely it's gonna happen on its own whether it's me you or somebody else like the ethics of people are changing and when we talk about so much money, if it's not us as people, the right. European Commission, the international finance departments, whatever, are going to catch up with the full crazy movement of money going around and the illegal stuff. So I, I, have, I have faith. I have faith. Anyways, um, can we just change and, and move from politics? 
<laughs> yes. I want to talk about something great. Um, I want to talk about Charlie. I want to talk okay. about the fact that you got a full page on the play course talking about <laughs> Charlie and you. And I've been trying to get featured for like two years and it's Aww. never. Tell me about Charlie. I want to know about Charlie. Ugh. I want to know about you guys' bonds, everything. Charlie is my once in a lifetime horse. He is the coolest guy. Um, so he's actually, you know, I am a firm believer in horses don't know how much they're worth. Um, when you walk into the ring, you know, the horse isn't like, oh, well, she paid $200,000 for me and that's how much I'm worth and that's what I'm going to do. Um, so it's kind of funny. And the reason I say that is because Charlie is the least expensive horse we've ever gotten. Um, he, I got him as a nine year old. He had just turned nine. Um, and the guy really wanted a stallion. I had a stallion that had jumped the Pan Am games and he was really, really a talented horse. He was an older stallion. Um, and him and I just didn't get along. I owned him for a year, had a really bad, you know, falling out with the trainer I got him from. There was a lot of lies told to me about that horse. So the guy wanted a stallion and he rode the stallion pretty well. So we did a trade. Um, and that horse was not worth much to me at all. That he was the, the stallion was probably 16 at the time. Um, so we traded him for Charlie and the guy didn't get along with Charlie. So I owned him for about a month and I realized why the guy didn't get along with him. And the reason was that he was a nasty stopper. Um, he, I took him into a meter 15 class and we were, we were eliminated from the meter 15 class. And I was sold this horse with the expectation that it was a Grand Prix horse. Um, so I remembered walking out of the ring and I looked at my trainer. I said, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> and, um, so we, we completely restarted him. I didn't ride him for a month and a half. Um, we were pursuing him every day, doing everything as groundwork, uh, basically reteaching him everything as if he were a two-year-old. Um, so after doing that, it was probably about a month and a half or two months. Um, I started riding him again slowly. And keep in mind, he was nine at this point. So it wasn't like I was dealing with a, a young horse. Um Within six months, we jumped our first Grand Prix, and he's an asshole. He does not like the open water. Um, and there are days where I come out, and I jump one schooling jump, and he will say, nope, I'm not doing it. But I respect that about him, and I have a crazy understanding with him. And he will come out and win it, or he doesn't want to play at all and doesn't owe me anything. Um, he was seventh in the U25 finals my last year. Um, we had done three star Grand Prix together and he is just a horse that I had very little expectations. We bought him, you know, we traded him as a resale horse and he ended up basically giving me my name in Wellington and my career. And, um, he is just, he's a special, special horse. He's giant. He's 18, one hands. He's huge, <laughs> but, um, he got hurt last year um, on the grass. I was jumping a class, a meter 30 class as a warm up for a Grand Prix on the Derby field. He overstepped to a triple combination and tore through his um, side bone on his front foot with his hind studs. So we just had disaster after disaster with that. It, it got infected and then he, he tore a hind suspensory and stall wrist because he lost his mind. And it was one thing after another. And I had lots of vets tell me he was done. 
I just needed to retire him and I refused. <laughs> so my vet was awesome and um, my farrier was awesome. And so he's back in the, in the show ring, jumping the one thirties and hopefully we'll, we'll make his way back up, but he's, he's a special guy. Um, so it was, it was cool. It was a really cool experience have them showing is is something that was unexpected and we're very grateful for it that's so cool that's so cool and and um you you plan to keep charlie right oh yes he's not going anywhere <laughs> okay that's cool that's cool I, i like to hear that it's it's yeah it's nice to have that horse that you know sometimes you have people they have this this kind of as you say weird story horse that's yeah. sassy and that to them is worth millions and to other people they're like what the hell but it's right. like i think it's it's they're the most special ones because you can absolutely do anything with that yep. type of horses, you know, they're kind of yep. limitless when it comes to, to having a brilliant bond with, with their rider. Um, yeah. And uh, one thing that I think is super important to talk about knowing how much love we have for these guys and how much freaking mm. money we spend on them. Um, right. What is, um, what is something that you would say when you're having a bad time, you know, facing challenges or facing, the vet issues with Charlie facing whatever could be going on in personal life or private life or business. Is there something that you can share with us that proves that they positively influence you as a rider, as a person too? Um, yes. Yeah. So I have, I have lots of experience with that. Um, you know, just everything we've been through and, and with the horses I've had in my past, not being so easy. I was never really handed a horse that, you know, here's a Grand Prix horse that has no problems and you can fully trust it. I've never had that. Um, I've always had the quirky ones or I think back, you know, going back to my beginning with race horses and stuff, I, I was able to ride them. So I always ended up with the ones that were had, they had a problem. They had something weird. Um, and I think the biggest thing I've learned is that the horses know if I walk into the barn and I'm in a bad mood about something from my personal life where I got bad news from the vet or, or something is going on and I'm in a bad mood, they know. Um, Charlie, when I get on him and I'm frustrated with something else, he will shut down mentally and we have the worst ride. Whereas if I'm positive and excited and everything's fine, even if I'm pretending, um, he's, he's fine and he's happy and he's relaxed. Um, so I think the biggest thing I've learned is from the moment you put your foot in the stirrup and you're sitting on the horse, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what happened or, or even if you're sitting in the stall with the horse and you're having, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with them, it, you really have to put everything else negative aside because they know. Um, and that's one thing that's really helped me with, with everything. And when I get frustrated with them and, um, you know, they're, they're having a bad day at the show or I'm having a bad day, we're allowed to have bad days. And these people that, you know, they come out and, and they're just so hard on the horses and, and they expect perfect every time. That's not reality because not every morning do I wake up and I think, oh, today's great and everything's great. Um, they're the same. So that is one thing that has really taught me a lot and I, I really keep in mind. I think it's super important. I mean, look, uh, whether it's horses or whether it's us as people or entrepreneurs or whatever, like life is a freaking roller coaster. Like we yeah. don't expect uh, yeah the happy yeah. happy and they're the same pink yep. pink world like it's not realistic and i think that the more you understand this the, the better you can be towards right. horses and the better their evolution can be and and i'm sure that what i mean for me like for example 
the way I would see the progress that you make with, with the horse is the progress you would be making with, with yourself personally through personal development, the little goals that you set yourself and stuff. And it's a freaking slow road. Like there's so many challenges that come your way that you don't expect, that you think you plan for, but that you haven't. And it's like, it's super important to have, to have a super good perspective upon everything and upon the progress that we make with our horses and as people. And, and I think that your approach towards it is super healthy and, and, and very cool. Very cool. Do you, so, so as a professional to this day, um, I think it's important to talk a little bit about having a team. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to kind of know, because the days when you're grumpy, the days when you're like, okay, I'm done because I'm sure that happens. The day when you're like, yeah. terrible round, you have a support system. You have people right. you can rely upon. You might have a good trainer. You might have, uh, yes, I said good trainer. You might have <laughs> powering people. You might have. So, so, so what is your support system? How did you build that? I think it's just important to, to put that in perspective for people that might be struggling right now with uh-huh. the wrong support system, with the wrong, like something's going bad in their journey. Like how can we, how can we share what you do to make things better and to make things right uh, inspiring in moments that are difficult? Well, I mean, I'm going to be totally transparent with you um, on that question. I'm happy that you brought that up. Um, That's something I'm going through right now that's a bit of a challenge. Um, Finding good employees and good friends and and people to work with in Wellington and and just in the horse world in general lately, it's been been hard and it's been a struggle. So, um, you know, that you mentioned that I have a great groom. Um, I have great people that I'm surrounded by. Um, but it is, it's not easy. And having that, as you said, the person that you can trust and rely on when things aren't going great is, is really a difficult thing. Um, so that's kind of something I'm, I'm going through right now as far as, um, change who, who's there for you and who's not. And, you know, a, a People are jealous. The people who don't want to see you succeed and do well, they're the people who are jealous of you. Um, So that's something that I recently learned because I thought a lot of people were my friends and supportive and there for me. And then when you actually need them, they're not. (laughs) And that's a life lesson too. Um, But I I have some good people. My family first, obviously. Um, I have an amazing boyfriend who's super supportive of the horses and, and my groom and um, my trainer that I work with sometimes when I do the bigger classes. But all it takes is, is you know, a few good people in your corner. And as long as they want the best for you, that's all that matters. I couldn't agree more. There's something that I've, I've made my, my rule of thumb in the last few years. And, and I mean, we might have spoken about that when we were speaking about you know as a as journey and what we're trying to work on and stuff but the the, the five people you're the mean of the five people you spend the most time with and it's right. like that's that's number one rule of my life and it's like in the past like I would try to have a lot of people around me because I had this sense of like emptiness or I was a bit lost in my life or I was this young adult that was like trying to to understand where she wants to go and stuff and it's you, you soon realize that you don't need a lot of people you need a exactly. few people that yep. are extremely worthwhile your time that are worth your energy that are worth and and you you realize that by by how good you feel and i think that it's super important to to sit sometimes for a second and question who can i i mean this sounds terrible but who can i cut off 
Like, right. who should I remove from my life right now in order to be a happier person, a more motivated person, a more humble person, and yep. someone that stops focusing on gossip, bullshit, drama, and starts focusing on the bettering of her goal, of her journey. Like, and I think that that this is this is kind of what my perspective upon what you're saying is. As soon yep. as you kind of remove the wrong people from your life, and it's sad, and it's so hard, and it can be so freaking lonely and depressing. Yeah, the sooner, the sooner things get better. Like talking about boyfriend, I mean, this is very personal, but but for example, <laughs> mine is like someone that I met. I met him in in the US, and we've been together for a while now and stuff. But this person is the person that I spend the most time with. So it's like right. when you have a partner, it's like this person can either be the rainbow that you wake up to every single day and that you're amazed by, or yep. the thunderstorm. And it's like right. if that person is a thunderstorm cut them out (laughs) right right in every aspect you know I I had a groom that was working for me for a couple of months and um I started to notice a change in her like I would do well and she would not be very excited and like just kind of man whatever and put the horse away and then I I would you know one of the horses would make a mistake or I would mess up a jump and she'd laugh and she thought it was you know and I I I had remember saying to someone like this girl does not want to see me succeed. And she is, you know, just telling everyone what's happening in the barn and, and her perspective on things. And, um, you know, we got rid of her and, and everything was different. The horses were better. You know, I was better. I liked going out to the barn. I liked going to the shows and I didn't even realize how removing one negative person could affect so much. It is. It is unbelievable, isn't it? And and as people, we have the power. And oftentimes, we, when we're in a situation, we forget that we actually have the possibility to make things better by right. making little changes. And I think that whether it's people that we have to keep an eye out on and, and make sure that we only have good people around us. And it's also about, for example, this might sound silly, but but the stuff we listen to, like, I'll listen to, when I feel shitty, I'll listen to my favorite podcast of like really empowering women and things like that because I'm like, I love that energy. I'm putting that energy in my mind, in my body, like the way in which we talk about ourselves to ourselves. Like if, for example, you have a bad round tomorrow, well, don't say, hey, I'm a shit rider. Say, okay, uh, it's okay. Like I'm learning, I'm, I'm bettering, I'm improving. So I think that the full structure, I mean, this, this is going to be a long podcast if we start talking about this, but it's like, <laughs> There's so much that we can create from by creating a very, very good environment. Both like as people and oh god, I can't explain this correctly. What I'm trying to say is like we can create a very good environment for ourselves through who we surround ourselves with, the trainer we have, the stable we have, the horses that we obviously buy, but also by doing the work on ourselves as people. How do I talk to myself? Right. How do I inspire myself? Is there any trick in the book that I haven't shared or that I have shared that you that you think can be you know explained a little bit further considering your experience I think I mean I think you hit the nail on the head um you know I agree with everything you said and and it's it's a challenge but it's something that's worth it at the end of the day because no matter how people treat you or how you treat people um if you can go to sleep every night knowing that you were the best person you could be and the best to your horses and you're a little bit better than you were yesterday that's all that really matters and nobody can take that away from you no matter what 
I think that's a pretty good conclusion, eh? I think we could, we could, we could conclude just on this and have the most perfect podcast episode apart from the one when I speak about toxicity because I'm going to get a lot of bad DMs. But um, to conclude, I'm going to ask you one last question. Yeah. What is uh, 2023, the next few years, looking like for you in the ideal world? What are you working towards? Um, I think, uh, we've had some, we've had some obstacles. Um, you know, I had a really bad, a really bad fall last summer. I broke three ribs and lacerated my liver and was pretty messed up. Um, so that was something that was really, really hard to come back from. I really pushed myself to get back in the ring and it was on a horse that I shouldn't have ever been riding in the first place. Um, and you know, it was hard. It was hard for me to think. And I remember going back and looking at pictures, old pictures and Facebook memories. It was like a year ago today, I was jumping a three-star Grand Prix and now to jump around a meter 30 makes me want to throw up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was something that has, it's a challenge and it's been hard for me. And I know that every time I go in the ring, I'm a little bit more confident. So I think that's, that's my biggest thing is I'm not going to say, Oh, I want to jump the Grand Prix again or, or jump the FBI classes again. Uh, That'll come in due time. And the more I push myself to want to do that, of course, I want to do that. But to do that before I'm ready, the less likely it would would be a good situation for me to be in. Um, So in the future, I mean, I've really just been focusing on sale horses. Um, I've been focusing on building up my relationship with um, with clients and with people, because we at the end of the day, we're supposed to have fun doing this, whether we do it for fun or we do it for money. Um, there's a difference, you know, the people who do it just for money, uh, are some of the most miserable, untrustworthy people in the sport. Um, you're supposed to love it and you're supposed to enjoy doing it and love the horses. That's, that's why we do it. So just kind of, you know, in the next year, I really want to want to make that known to to people and surround myself with people like you that have the same kind of idea and and we do it because we love it because unfortunately those people are few and far between lately um and hopefully getting back in the show ring to jump jump the bigger stuff but that's that's not my priority right now it's um you know having a good good reputation and good name because I really do love the horses and I really do love what I do um so that's that's my goal yeah that's that's super cool I'm, I'm extremely excited to see what comes up I can't I keep telling you Riley we need to have a partnership for horses I know. It's, I know. it's awesome it's awesome it's super exciting I am so utterly grateful and blessed and I mean I, I cried when, <laughs> when you guys <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he's so oh, no, but it's amazing. It's amazing. Each horse has its own story. And I mean, backing up from what you said, it's like if I was doing this for money, like mm-hmm. when I was looking at uh the amount of bet check that failed mm-hmm. this year, I, yeah. I thought like if I don't have a bottle of wine by my side, right. I'm gonna go mad. No, but but <laughs> jokes apart, like I think um there is a tremendous from from my perspective to conclude, I would say that. My vision upon the sales world today is that there is a tremendous amount of capital to generate, a tremendous amount of money to make. That is for sure. It's, there's so much money to be made. And you, you could easily become a multimillionaire by selling horses. That's no doubt in this. But right. to do it well, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And it's more like a five-year journey, not a one-year journey. Right. And I think that it's by taking one step at a time, 
there is a tremendous thing to do to build and and I'm so excited to see you succeed I'm so excited to to uh to see the future and and by the way did you like your breakfast oh my god you were so sweet that literally made my whole entire morning I woke up like kind of miserable and the weather was terrible and I, you made my day <laughs> <laughs> for context I sent Uber Eats to Wellington <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was impressed that that was even possible <laughs> come on now I'm the CEO of an equine trade platform you think I got Uber Eats <laughs> I love that true no, yeah we but... just flew a horse across the world I think we yeah, you're right, right. <laughs> I just I just flew a horse across the world that I haven't seen that some people in my team have seen and I'm chilling about Barcelona sometimes I'm like yeah. I can sell horses from the Bahamas yeah and like oh. no one would know <laughs> hey that's a great idea and I'm gonna come looking for you in the Bahamas if that's we where should you move go. to Bali together just yeah, right? delegate that's to my... your grooms and just manage it yeah, yeah that's cool <laughs> all righty well I'll let you go thanks a lot okay. for everything all uh, right enjoy the pickup of Geordie on Friday keep me updated yes. on that one and yeah. uh we have a lot of a lot of business to get together so I'll catch yeah. up with you later have a good one all right you too thanks so much bye Ciao, ciao, bye. Hey, how was that? I hope you found a lot of value and a lot of learnings in this new episode of Naysays. For more information, feel free to subscribe to the podcast, get in touch with our team. And remember, if you're looking to either sell or buy a high quality show jumping horse, you know where to find us. See you soon.